Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. going (laughs) that's is uh covid 32 at the addiction connection just a couple days late yeah we're running a little slowly yep it's weird to be taping this in the morning and not in the middle of the night but whatever so first we started on this covid echo with jerica burge jerica burge you finally got it right you did uh, she had actually talked a little bit about one of the studies that the University of Minnesota Department of Family Medicine did and had some interesting, interesting results when they spent a little time looking at a group of patients that they were studying. And they actually had 84 responses that were analyzed, kind of talking about the themes. For of, barriers for telehealth. Yeah. You know, what, what makes people not want to do it? And, and, of course, I think a lot of it is not surprising uh, that lack of access to technology and, and really the confidence in, in the, the ability to use it. So even if you got this stuff, just because you got a phone that could launch the uh, space shuttle, it doesn't mean you know how to use it. Wow. <laughs> okay. You can tell Kurt has not had Diet Mountain Dew yet today. Not yet. Talking very slowly. But soon. All right. Well, so then, you know, we asked Dr. Renee Critchlow to come back from, she was the just previously outgoing president of the Minnesota Academy of Family Physicians and kind of felt like we could use another one of Renee's motivational talks and we're not going to obviously be able to 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 give this talk the way she did because one you can't see anything and two I'm just not her so we're just going to kind of touch on a few of the things and she really started her talk really talking about things that make people feel good, especially as like a patient or as a member of society and really highlighted kindness, courage, compassion, and caring. And kind of gave everybody a minute to kind of think about in a time where they really had a good situation, whether it was at the doctor's office or in public, what was it that made it stand out? So I don't know if you read the little things as they were coming, but it was courage and caring were the most common ones that people put up there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, really when this quarantine happened and the virus showed up, everything slowed down and there was a lot of unknown. And, and I think that when we changed to distance learning and a lot of things were happening really fast, I think it was just difficult for people to kind of grasp onto what was going on. So I think she talked a lot about how, how that just kind of put everybody a little off their game. Well, I know you don't want me to overly belabor some of this, but I think one of the highlights um, was this poster that she took a picture of and posted and just kind of, I think, is important to remind people how everybody went, approached the coronavirus pandemic at the beginning versus now, and we're kind of just like, oh, go back to school. Oh, we just want to have our sporting events. Oh, we want all these things back. Um, But at the beginning, you know, the quote of, and then the whole world walked inside and shut their doors and said, we will stop it all, everything to protect our weaker ones, our sicker ones, our older ones. And nothing, nothing in the history of humankind ever felt more like love than this. So, I mean, back then, 32 echoes ago, there was a difference. And I think the way people feel. She spent a little time showing some pictures of her office that we may never see again, you know, 20 until another hundred year pandemic, the 
the little PPE things in the brown bags and the face shields and the masks and the goggles, all the things that we have hanging around our offices now that we did not previously. And I think it does. It's kind of that new normal. We look at it and we don't think anything of it. But if I'd have walked into somebody's office and they had a bunch of PPE sitting in there a year ago, I'd have laughed. Uh, but here we are. There you go. The other thing that I found really striking is she had shown this picture of the history books, and it showed, like, 1980 had a book, 1981 had a book, 1982 had a book, although that's when I was born, so, I mean, that probably was a very nice book. But anyway, then at the bottom, of course, there's, like, 2020, and it's broken up by month. And so basically to highlight the fact that we are living in history, and it's more fun to learn about it than it is to actually have to live through it. And I think... In my generation, I mean, we've had 9-11. We've had some really crappy things, but this is a huge difference. So, anyway. Yeah. So, then we went to Eric Martins, and uh, he's the executive director of the State High School League, and he actually was with Dr. Roberts, William Roberts, the U of M sports advisory chair. Sounds like a computer just did something. And your computer, uh, waiting for your phone to ring next. Yeah, that'll be next. And they... Uh, he talked a little bit initially about the fact that some of the things people don't really understand about the State High School League is it's not a state agency, and that's misunderstood frequently. Uh, it's really a, a, you know, its goal is to provide opportunities for students as, you know, really safely as possible, but they are not actually a state agency. So I think that... Uh, you know that that I was something. Apologize for the air conditioner. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong with your mic, I think. No, it was. No. There the, we go. Now I shut it off. Yeah, there. There. Was sorry. You were disappearing. You were probably excited about that. I thought I'm gonna do the whole thing myself. But anyway. But yeah, so he talked a lot about uh, that, and then he talked a little bit about the virtual settings. You know, the fact that uh, some of the issues with transportation and no sports and you know now this hybrid thing where some things are going forward and uh, it's really very very complicated I think that we all know that volleyball and football got moved to spring which is an effort to keep those those sports going this year but obviously that's going to be complicated yeah and I, I think the one complication and they didn't necessarily overly answer this question was what about the pa- the the patients the the students who do football who do baseball who do both and now they're going to be overlapping and trying to figure out how this works and i think when dr roberts came on and he kind of mentioned like yes it's important to have multiple activities just to you know to for the health and mental health but again the safety is the priority and trying to stay positive and understand that but i mean that's hard it's hard for adults and i can only imagine how awful that would have been had i been in high school at this time yeah i mean especially since the end of the year got changed so dramatically for the seniors uh, who were unable to do their sports and their educational things towards the end i think that was kind of tough you know and a lot of people ask on what are they going to do about you know the winter sports and basketball because even this summer my kids had to wear masks playing basketball for their little weekly training thing or whatever but they have not they're, they're just kind of wrapping up what they're doing with these fall activities and even cheerleading they're having to look through and it doesn't look like they're really going to start to to even think about the winter sports until the next couple of weeks in you know they're gonna let's see how these first couple of weeks go with school starting with the sports going 
and then start looking at the winter sports and then yeah. the spring sports. And he did mention what were the higher risk ones. Um, your wrestling, obviously, they're really close together and face to face. They um, should be if they're wrestling. Well, yes. Uh, uh, hockey. Hockey was a big one. And then I think, you know, he didn't really highlight basketball being a bad one, which I kind of maybe it's because it's just short periods of time. But Yeah, except you're inside too. Right. So I don't know. So, and of course, Dr. William Roberts came on, uh, and he's the sports advisory chair. And he had a lot of talk uh, really about, you know, how they had to make some of these decisions, which is really difficult because it's not like in high school we can have that bubble like they're having at the national level around some of these uh, sports teams. And I mean, we, can't we just really can't quarantine all these football players in a hotel. <laughs> yeah, well, you could, <laughs> but I'm not sure how that would go. So, you know, so they're really look, trying to look at all the data. They're trying to understand, you know, what, when can they wear masks, when can't they? And it's simple things. Like you said, well, when you're on the sideline, you'll have a mask on. When you're playing, you won't. And, you know, different things that they're looking at uh, to try and make sure that we're making these venues as safe as possible. And he talked a little bit about some of the mental health impacts of this. And obviously with, uh, with that constant change, I mean, you're going to have sports teams that are suddenly sidelined because of a positive case. And uh, it's going to be really tough on groups to try and kind of main, maintain that drive to keep going when you, you know, there's probably going to be rolling times where people's teams are put on the sideline and then they're back playing two weeks later. Right. So it's going to be very complicated. And he talked about how, you know, people who are in activities and whether it's sports or other activities, those are the kids, you know, that that's what helps them go to school. That's what helps them want to be there and be more motivated and to, to do better in all of everything. And so the sanity of these kids, not just for getting that physical activity, but just for that normalcy and that pattern and, and just how that all plays in and just... Yeah, I don't yeah. know. And, you know, then looking at sports scholarships and next level of play, all these things factor in. Yeah, yeah, it's all going to be connected. And, you know, of course, when we were looking at winter and being indoors for some of those sports, it's this whole issue again with circulated air. And what are we going to be doing to the ventilation systems? And so that's something that they're looking at now. And it's very clear that close quarters and breathing hard or singing or anything uh, can help spread the, spread the virus. So it's the ventilation, and they're going to have to look at that in schools, especially as we go indoor. Exactly. And then finally, he kind of touched on the fact that what do you do if a person does have a positive test? You know, as a healthcare worker, you're going to see these results. And, of course, with HIPAA, we can't call their coach and say, hey, by the way. So it's a lot of honesty. You're going to – they're expecting – the high school league is expecting COVID-positive athletes to self-disclose that they had a positive test. But then what does that do to the rest of the team that had been playing with that athlete yesterday or the day before and the day before? And so, yeah, this is where it's going to get really complicated. Yeah, or if somebody does not want to take the quarantine seriously or won't quarantine. So there's going to most definitely be some issues that arise uh, as sports get going. And I don't think there's any way for us to predict until it starts. So Right, and... um as far as when you can go back after being COVID positive, for instance, and, you know, he mentioned this and, you know, we've seen this even in reality in clinic and what we've seen with COVID positive patients already is that they're, they're going to want to go back. I mean, that's what athletes want to do. They don't care about, they don't want to be sidelined by anything, but it's going to be 
more difficult. It's it's hard to regain that conditioning and everything that you lose. So it's going to be roughly about 14 days um, with symptom-free to, to be able to go back, but then it's going to be a gradual increase in that activity. So yeah. it's a big deal. And what about all the parents and the stands? And uh, This is nothing that's ever been done before, and I, I really think we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. So they're going to put out some general rules, and then we're going to see if they're followed, and we're going to see if it matters. <laughs> and, uh, and Everything's going to change. Everything's going to change. So then we had... Well, can I make one more comment? I don't know if you said this when I was trying to shut the air off. Um, the whole thing more. with the sports physicals. Oh, yeah. So yeah, if you're roughly sophomores due for their repeat sports physical, because in Minnesota here, it's every three years you need to have a sports physical. So if they're due this year, they're going to get a year extension, so they won't need one until next year. So keep that in mind. Obviously, if it's a seventh grader, they still need it this first year. Um, but it's important to still obviously discuss with families and make sure families know, you know, especially these athletes, if they have any newer different symptoms, it's going to be important for them to still follow up with that. And then Dr. Dr. Hick came on. Uh, We hadn't seen him in a while. His hair was a little longer. It was. I noticed that. And he was at home. And he was at home. And uh, he talked a little bit about uh, what's really gone on here lately. The testing volumes obviously continue to increase. I think we all look at that as a good thing. Although you see some things in the news where they're trying to push maybe not testing as many asymptomatic people. He didn't really talk about that. Which would, I mean, let's go back to save the sports tests. thing. Things. It would save tests, but think about this. If you have a positive, you know, volleyball player, and then what about the team that's been exposed to her this whole time? And if you don't test any of them, you're waiting for those players who may be asymptomatic carriers to give it back to grandma. Yeah. So I think, again, a lot of ways to look at this. Um, What he did reassure us, you know, we've seen kind of uptick in numbers that kind of up and down and up and down over the last several weeks. And, you know, yesterday we had 1,100 new positive cases and 14 deaths. I think it was 17. 17 deaths, 14 Mm -hmm. the day before. So it looks like an uptick, but what he said is they haven't noticed these patterns that um, follow through with the current cases that kind of look like the first big wave we had. Yeah, um, And that's mostly due to that younger, healthier population. So we're having a lot of positive tests, some increase in hospitalizations, although not many. It's because the people who are getting COVID now are getting are younger and healthier. Yeah. And, you know, beds are still a little tight. He said there's actually 4 to 7% availability in the ICUs. But, you know, it's, again, we're not anywhere where they thought we would be. But again, we're coming into our season where people go inside. So I think it's interesting to see what happens with that. Well, he did mention with the whole bed availability is, you know, they've had a lot more trauma this year. I don't know if that's because most people are going camping and being outdoors and doing all different things. 600% increase in trauma. Yeah, well, penetrating Penetrating trauma. But you know, that's also what our... um, medical examiner said yesterday at that podcast is that the number of uh, penetrating trauma cases that have ended up in the medical examiner's offices up 600 percent i think he said it was high so uh, there has been a lot more trouble that way and he did say they do have a capacity could greatly increase in hospitalization and for beds if they started to just back off on some of the elective procedures again that would be the first move yeah and again what's going to happen when they Put people in school. He talked about that and the air conditioning and 
uh, ventilation, which again, we don't know. I mean, how, how's that all going to play out? In April, we had that whole population of elderly people who were getting ill and sick, and we have not seen that lately. But they're watching for it. Yeah. So then he talked about our PPEs, and he feels like uh, coming January, we're going to have a lot more. Uh, we got millions of these things coming uh, that we don't have now. And boy, would that be nice. I've been wearing the same ones for five months, I think, uh, right. rotating through. Well, and then same with the ventilators. We, In their minds, we have plenty. They did actually cut back on their orders because we have plenty. We're getting more from the government as well rather than needing to order. Um, they still do have that critical care cent- coordination center hotline. So this is the number that if you're trying to do discharge planning for anybody, especially a nursing home type patient, there is this number that can help direct where you should send patients. Like if there's certain facilities that will accept a COVID positive, but there's still certain facilities that are COVID positive like at, in general. So um, you can find that number on the Minnesota Department of Health website. Yeah. And of course, the vaccines. He talked a little bit about how that's going to roll out. And actually, Minnesota is kind of on the front line of that. We're one of the, I think, four states four where states. they're really looking at it and kind of going to use as pilots to kind of get it out into the communities. High-risk people first, obviously. And that does include, thank goodness, healthcare workers. Yeah. And then the the ever, not only just is it going to get colder and people are going to start moving in, indoors, it's also going to be cold and flu season. And so luckily what he said is if you're looking at Australia and the Southern Hemisphere right now, it does look like it's more of a mild influenza season as of now. But that the prime time in Minnesota where I think they're anticipating our next big resurgence is around the holidays. It's bad flu season. This is when historically we always have our bad flu peaks. And now, again, people are going to want to get, I mean, not getting together at Easter was one thing. It was right at the beginning of the lockdown. I don't know how people are going to do not being able to to come together, you know, this fall and winter, um, especially with the big holidays. Yeah, I think that's going to change things. I just can't imagine that getting the influenza, the influenza, and getting the COVID at the same time wouldn't be a bad thing. But I don't think really anybody knows in general how that's going to go. He talked a little bit about some of the early data. It doesn't seem like it's much worse, but I think we're going to have to see that happen. Exactly. Um, and then he kind of ended with this whole saliva testing and how they're looking at this and how this is going to kind of be where the state is going to add tests. And a lot of it's going to be, especially school tracking, as I think where they're doing this, situations where you're testing larger larger groups of people. So, you know, a whole family is sick and um, it's more convenient because you send the kid to their house. doesn't have to be refrigerated. doesn't take a lot of brilliance to do it, but it does take a lot of spit. A lot of saliva and drool. <laughs> he did say he kept, that. He said drool. And drool. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I hate me. So that was kind of the end of that. Uh, it was a kind of a sedate one. Next week we actually have Amanda Noska, and infectious doctor, disease doctor, coming. And Dr. Benneker from Mayo talking about, again, some more of these testing things and different testing strategies. So It should be good. And I think we actually are going back to Yale on the Addiction Connection. We are. Eat, sleep, console. I'm so excited. Yeah, and that's on the Echo on Wednesday Wednesday next week. So so thanks, everybody, for listening. All right. So we'll let Battle Legs take over, and we will potentially be back soon with some journal articles as well. Thank you. Sun is rising high, burning into the day. I will say goodbye. Are we going away?
brush away my doubts what tomorrow will hold feeling fine for now going down the road to a city to sing about the trees and the wind about the hills in the spring and the rivers that bend the rocky deep pass and the poppies and bonies running through They paid for the stories they're told of a clear new day, only down the road. So heavy rain at my back, lazy meadows ahead. In my book, I keep track of the promises set for my songs in a town. For tomorrow, we'll hold, feeling fine for now. Fine for now. 